0: Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 17. One thing we do when we open the Word of God, we don't just do it for a token reading. We believe the Word of God carries power and it brings life. And the words in this book are relevant today. How many believe that? I don't know if you're a Bible reader in your daily life, but I want to encourage you over this summer season to actually develop a habit of reading your Bible Because God will speak to you through his word. And I love this story found in 1 Kings chapter 17. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. I love the fact that God wants to provide for each and every one of us. Uh, But provision comes as we move. So many people are waiting for God's provision and they're standing still. But God had provision, but it came about to Elijah as he began to move. He says, so he, he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gates of the city, indeed, a widow was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little, jar, a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. So she's in a desperate place. In fact, there was a famine in the land at this time. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel: the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day of the Lord. The day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days. Listen to this verse 16. The bin of flour was never used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. I'm really believing we're entering into a season where we're going to know the overflow of God. There's going to be no shortage. In Jesus' name, that God's going to provide for not only our need, but He's going to go above and beyond. But God has a different plan to you and I. Here we come across a broke, desperate, suicidal widow who was at her end. And into her well, God sends the prophet Elijah with a proposal that will bring about her end even in a faster way. She already didn't have much, but, but the prophet asked her for what she had. And the story, what it is, it's a story of how, how people can get stuck at a certain level of living and how God wants to get them unstuck. And this story is, is about how God's plan and, and our plan are totally different. It's a story about how various times in our life, you know, we either die or we progress to a new level of living. See, see, the truth of the matter is that God could have supplied Elijah by the brook. He had done it for many days. He had fed him food by ravens. But God had another plan which was so ridiculous. It was even unreasonable. And it was unrealistic that it had to be of supernatural origin. After all, no sensible person would come up with a plan to ask a starving person to give the little they had. But what this was, was it was an invitation for this widow to go to a whole nother level. In fact, God saw seeds of faith within this widow that she's actually mentioned in Luke chapter 4. And she's given special reference to because of her faith. Now, you've got to understand, you know, in that day and time, there was many widows. But but this widow obviously carried something special that God saw within her, the faith that she would give the very little she had. And it would release something greater in her life. You know, in every generation, God's looking for those who are willing to risk everything that they know To grasp hold of what they could never know apart from it. You know, see, God had a plan. God had a plan to take this woman's life to another level. And I want to say to you tonight, God's got a plan for you in 2020. Come on, you're not going to have a rerun of 2019 or 2018. God's got an amazing plan for your life where the bin of flour will not run dry. The jar of oil, come on, is going to be overflowing. Come on, there's going to be an abundance in the house. Come on, God's going to provide for your dream. The dream that He's placed on the inside of her. But here's the thing, God's plan won't work alongside your plan. God's plan and her plan were so far removed that it had to be one or the other. It couldn't be a combination. God's plan wasn't complementary to her plan. God was not trying to fit his plan into her plan. You know, it was like God's plan, her plan. They were totally separate. See, you can keep your plan, but you can't have, if you keep it, you can't have the benefit. Of God's plan. In fact, that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 25, he says, you know, he, he says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will. Come on, what will they do? They will. Come on, how many want to find life? Come on, I'm talking about true life, real life. You've got to lose your life. The way of God is to lose your life, and then you'll actually find life. And it goes on in the next verse. It says, For what does it profit a man? If he gains a whole world, you can gain everything. Well, we're entering into a season of, you know, where there's consumerism, there's materialism all around us, and we think this is going to satisfy us and this is going to bring benefit to us. But here it says, What does it profit a person if they gain the whole world but they lose their soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? See, you can either break the alabaster box or protect it, but you can't protect it. And have what happens when you break it. You can't have your cake and eat God's cake too. Come on, you can't have the promise and stay in Egypt. Yeah, you got to leave Egypt. See, I found God works off this principle. You ready for it? Uh, this is a principle that I, I want you to get down, deep down in you. Here. Here's a principle. Hey, it's really deep. It's... God works off this principle. If you will, I will. If you won't, I won't. It's not, I will if you won't. No, it's, I will if you will. If my people are, who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, what will God do? He'll hear from heaven and He'll heal their land. But but it's if, my people, if you will, I will. If you won't, I won't. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. That's what it says in the book of James. But, But there's an if. And so many people are going, well, I'm just waiting. But God's saying, I'm waiting on you. I'm looking for you to move. You know, I love Paul in the Bible because he was put on trial many times for his faith. You know, his faith put him in places where, where where he was accused, he was falsely accused, he was beaten. And I love his relentlessness. He, he just shared his testimony wherever he went. And then and Acts chapter 26, there's a story he's put on trial. You know, he, he's appealed to Caesar. He wants to go to Caesar, but he, he's put on trial. And uh, you know, right. In the middle of this setting, in fact, Acts chapter 26, verse 1, he goes, I think myself happy. I like that. Just that line there. I think myself happy. You know, how many know that's a good thing to do if things aren't going well? Is to just think yourself happy. Come on, you may not be happy right now. I don't know how you're feeling coming into Christmas. But just think yourself happy. How do you think yourself happy? I believe it starts with thanking God for what God is doing in your life right now. Come on, we've got so much to give God thanks for. Come on, do do, do I hear a little bit of Thanksgiving in this place? Come on, we got so much to give God thanks for. And he goes, I I think myself happy. He's in a trial, and he thinks himself happy. He talks, and uh, you know this guy Festus, he's he's mad. But Paul notices something in the King of Agrippa. He notices something in verse twenty-eight. It says, "Then the King, then Agrippa said to Paul." You almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all those who hear me today. This line here, it's a crack up line, but it's got got to be one of the most sorriest statements. You almost persuade me. So so he was moved by what Paul was sharing. He was moved by his testimony, and he was so moved that he saw something going on in the king of Agrippa's life. And, 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 and the king of Agrippa goes, he responds, he says, You almost persuade me to be a Christian. But here's the deal what's the benefit of almost? We almost made it. That's not good. Oh, we almost won. That means you lost. Yeah, you know, I, I failed a, a semester at university, I got 49%. I almost passed. But it went down as a fail. You know, I, I was almost persuaded to be a Christian. You know, almost is not good enough. He almost became a Christian. Paul wasn't persuading him to buy something, to enroll in the course. He wasn't persuading him to marry someone, to support a team, to vote for him, or to have another drink. He, he was persuading him to receive a gift. Yeah, how hard is it to persuade somebody to receive a gift? Oh, yeah, I've got this amazing gift. Do you, do you want it? Oh, I need some persuading. You know, the gift of salvation, we don't earn it. You know, it, all is we need to do is believe. And, and as you almost persuaded me. So he was on the verge of making the greatest transaction of his life, the greatest exchange. And he almost became a Christian, but didn't. What's wrong with you? You know, that you almost... You know, Jesus offers beauty for ashes. He offers joy for mourning, praise for heaviness, life instead of death, blessing instead of cursing, faith in exchange for righteousness. Who wouldn't want in on that? Come on, at Christmas, what are we celebrating? The greatest gift that anybody could ever receive. So many Christians, you know, almost get apologetic in their faith. But what are, what are we asking them to do? To, to actually receive a gift? Everyone's looking for Jesus. They're just looking in the wrong places. Now that, that's why we should be unashamed of the gospel of his name. Come on, we need to understand the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And it's a gift of God. Come on, am I persuading somebody Almost. Are you almost persuaded about this? I don't know about you, but I'm convinced when it comes to the good news of Jesus, I'm convinced about this stuff. That's why I live the life that I'm living right now. This isn't just a career. This is the fact that Jesus has changed my life. Come on, who wouldn't want to end on that? What you're holding on to right now is nothing in comparison to what God has for you. Yeah, I love Equippers Church. Made up of so many different cultures, Ah, I love it right around the room right now. But we're in ten different countries around the world, and you know, here's the deal: when it comes to different cultures, everybody who's grown up in a culture thinks their culture is normal. The question I want to ask you today is: Are you normal? Just ask your neighbour just quickly: Are you normal? Are you normal? You think you're normal. Everybody thinks they're normal, but to one culture, another culture is it is strange. So, so who gets to decide what's normal? You because know, yeah, everybody thinks they're normal. You know, the the only person who gets to say what's normal or not is God. You know, it's like God doesn't take a, a opinion poll to decide on what's normal and what's not. Uh, Normal according to God is Jesus. I'll say that again. Some of you need to get this in your head. Normal according to God is Jesus. Uh, So when Jesus came to this earth, he didn't come to display what God can do. When Jesus came to this earth, he came to display what you and I can do in relationship to God. Come on, you got to hear me right now. Come on, and so often we settle for something less than what God has on offer. God has a whole lot more on offer than sometimes we realize. And Jesus, the way Jesus lived, how He walked, you and I can live that way because we have the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And, And Jesus represents God's normal. In fact, Jesus himself said, you know, you will do even greater than what I've done. So so the benchmark wasn't Jesus. It's like, that's the baseline level. And come on, God's called you and I to do great things. But it's going to take our obedience. Today, it's easy to have a cultural understanding of what it means to follow Jesus And so what we do is we almost obey. If it's reasonable and if it's convenient. Well, uh, I almost came to church, but it wasn't at a convenient time. 6.30, who was thinking of that? You know, it's it's like I, I almost surrender. You know, I sort of surrender, but, you know, it's like, oh, I'll take a bit of my plan and a bit of God's plan. You know, I'll surrender if it doesn't hurt. If it doesn't hurt, I'll surrender. I'll almost praise if the song's good. And it's at my level, you know, I'll almost, you know, almost do that, or I'll almost serve if it, if it doesn't clash. And whether it was something else in my calendar, or I'll almost read my Bible if there's nothing good on TV. You know, if I'm not, you know, in the middle of a Netflix series. You know, I'll I'll almost repent if it doesn't mean I have to change. Uh, In my my life, I've had a few medical procedures and uh, I've been anesthetized. I've had a general, I've had general and I've had local. In fact, uh, when I was 13, I was down the west coast of the South Island and was swinging on a vine and I, I swung over a cliff and I slipped off the vine and went right over the cliff. And uh, I ended up breaking my arm. Uh, My brother ran back to the farmhouse where we were staying and said, Sam's dead, Sam's dead, but I was alive. And uh, first thing, I thought I broke my leg, but I managed to get up around the cliff, and I'll go, oh, no, it's my arm. My arm's broken. And so I went to the hospital in Greymouth. And, uh, you know, the hospital down there, put my hand in a cast, uh, was there, finished off, came back to Auckland, and got my arm x-rayed again, only to realise the people in Greymouth had set my arm all wrong. You know, people down Greymouth they have their arms at different angles, obviously. But um, <laughs> it's like they'd set set my cast wrong, and so th- what they had to do is they had to re-break it. They had to re-break it, and so they gave me a local anaesthetic, and I couldn't feel my arm, and then they just snapped my wrist in front of me. Um, again and rebroke it, but you can feel it because you're anesthetized. You know, it's like, you know, if you're having a surgical procedure. I've had general operations. You know, had had my whole stomach out on tables before and woke up, and, and you know, I got a zipper. It's been zipped back up, and the stomach's back in there. But you know, it's it's um. It's, it's here's the thing. Yeah, when you're anesthetized, you have a reversible loss of sensation. As some of you know, you go to the dentist, your gums are numb, and then you bite, you know, you're in a mouth and you pay for it a little, a little later on. Because that numbness wears off. And, and then you feel the pain. You know, when you're anesthetized, you're, you're alive, but you're asleep. You know, and, and that's like, like we, when we almost respond to God's invitation uh, we're, we're alive, but we're asleep. You know, we're, we're not totally out to it. You know, we're sort of engaged in a particular area. We're awake, but we're not, we're not really feeling it. You know, I, I believe in a lot of places, uh, our, our generation are anesthetized to the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Uh, right now, uh, there's a call for authenticity like never before. And here's the deal. When it comes to being a believer in Jesus, you're never more authentic as a believer than when you believe. Than when you put it on the line. Than when you go away from your plan and you embrace God's plan. See, so many people today, they believe, but they're still following their feelings. Your feelings will often say something different to you than what God is saying to you. And faith doesn't follow feelings. Some people say, well, I'm not feeling it. And you have no sensation and you have no feeling. And it's like the world's selling a drug that causes people to live anesthetized and sedated. It's like the sedates sedated. And I lost the energy and the fire and the zeal and the passion of serving Jesus. Come on, Christmas, I'm excited. This is not just another routine. Come on, the Holy Spirit wants to do something powerful. But we can't be anesthetized. Come on, don't give God a sedated clap right now. Come on, if we're going to clap, let's give Him our everything in faith. You know, so many people are anethetized today, and they lost their sense of meaning and purpose. You know, marriages can even be emotionless, and, and they just go through the blah, 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 blah of life. And even some of you, you know, coming into this Christmas season, it's just like blah, 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 blah. And there's no feeling. The good news is, if you're anesthetized it's reversible. You can wake up. And I want to quickly show you how you can get your feeling back. Because there's two basic questions to somebody who's stuck. Two basic questions to someone who's not feeling it. You ready for it? Here's the question. What was the last thing that God told you to do? What was the last thing that God told you to do? You really felt it in your Holy Spirit that you needed to do that. Maybe share your faith and maybe you know enroll and maybe do something. What was the last thing that the Holy Spirit told you to do? Second question is have you done it yet? Because that's the way you're gonna get your life and your energy back. It's hearing God and obeying. See, yeah, you can keep your plan to disobey God. But don't look for other people's counsel to validate your disobedience. People like that remind me of Jonah. They're on the run from the last thing that God told them to do. And then they jump aboard somebody else's ship, as Jonah did, and then everybody suffers. Don't be surprised if you run from the voice of God. You find yourself in a lower place than you thought you would be. By the way, when the sailors tried to, to they figured out he was on, he was a fugitive from his destiny and the source of his storm. They made a bad call. They tried to roll him out of his of his destiny rather than throwing him overboard. Here's the deal: you can't roast somebody else out of their disobedience. Each and every one of us have got to give it, hear God. What was the last thing that God told, not your neighbor to do, what was the last thing that God told you to do? And have you done it yet? See, every time I've had an opportunity to go to a new level, God has asked me to do something difficult to get there. Yeah, To give up something, to let something go. To not camp with a certain group of people. To change the mindset. I've had to break a habit. It's to suffer loss, abuse, and sometimes even misunderstanding. Come on, what, what is God challenging you? Because I challenge you, there, there'll be something that you have to let go of to actually take hold of the next. Come on, there's provision. Provision's not just going to arrive at your doorstep. You're going to have to move. You're going to have to make a move. And provision is found in When you move, like the widow of Zarephath, you have to, I can't even say that, probably the Zarephath, that widow. Sometimes God will ask you to do something unthinkable. See, it's easy to do something difficult when you feel it, when you feel happy, you're safe and comfortable. But what about when you feel afraid? What about when you feel insecure and disorientated? See, some of you are waiting to feel stronger and safer. But you've got to understand, it's not a matter of uh, pain or no pain. You know, in life, I've found you've got to pick your pain. You've got to make a decision. you you either got the pain of change or or the pain of regret. Well, which is worse, the pain of change? It always costs to change. You know, there's something that you've got to surrender, and so you've got to pick the pain of change or the pain of regret. Now I believe God wants to do something significant, but that's going to only happen as we wake up in the Spirit. Come on, God's been speaking to some people in this place, and you've been waiting for the right time. Have you done the last thing that God told you to do? And if not, when are you going to do it? See, when your Spirit wakes up, faith is born in your heart. Faith is born just in that moment. When you wake up, when I woke up after operations, all there was was pain. And and see, the pain of what happened while you're sleeping is only felt when you wake up. When when that anesthetic starts to wear off and and, and you feel it, but that's okay. Because sometimes that's needed to be felt so that you actually Move forward. In fact, I just want to give a verse, and then we're going to get the musicians up. Uh, in Second Corinthians chapter seven, Second Corinthians chapter seven verse ten. Let's put this up um, because this is what happens when you wake up. It's like you feel what's gone on. The, the anesthetic wears off, and it says, "But what it produces? It, it produces godly sorrow, and godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted." But the sorrow of this world produces death. Next verse. It goes on, For we observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. You sorrowed. In other words, you felt it. When you're feeling it, you feel everything. But look what it produced in you. What clearing of yourself. It produced what indignation, what conviction, what fear. You know that's a healthy fear—a sense of well what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. You know it, that this produced all these these emotions that make life life. That that's what it produced, and, and and while we're avoiding stuff, you know we'll never know the the thrill of all those those things being evident in our life. The most dangerous place a person can live in and live in is where they're just numb. They sit in worship and they're just numb. They, they listen to messages and it's just another message. It's just nothing goes in and nothing touches them. But, but when the Holy Spirit's moving, you know, anybody could get up on this platform and the Holy Spirit could be speaking to your heart because you feel it. You feel it on the inside. See, we live in a day where there's abundant supply of resources. It's not about the information we get. It's what we're doing with what we hear. And I believe God is is wanting to build a church where people are, are responsive to His Word. Yeah, where people are not governed by their feelings. Where people are prepared to lay aside their plan and their natural way of thinking and embrace God's way of thinking, even though it sounds ridiculous. Even though it sounds unreasonable. You know, that leads to a place where, where the bitter flour will not run dry, will not run out, and the oil won't run dry. Come on, there's an abundant supply that God wants to bring to people's life. Come on, there's an overflow of God's blessing. Come on, live your life on overflow. And overflow is found in serving and finding and knowing God's plan for your life. You are His workmanship. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Musicians up. Ephesians 2 verse 10, you are his workmanship, you're his masterpiece, and you're being recreated in Christ for good works. God's got a great thing for you to be a part of, for good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do. I believe the more you align your life with God's plan, the more you know his blessing. The more you know His favor, the more satisfied, content, secure you are on the inside. You can wait till you feel secure, or you could just put your trust in Jesus. Come on, the more you begin to understand how you're wired, who He's created you to be. Come on, the more bold you can be in Jesus' name. Come on, I really believe God wants to release the spirit of boldness on the church. Some of us have been holding back, but I believe this is the time to step forward In Jesus' name. We've had a sense in our heart when it comes to call and destiny. But it's almost like, oh, we're waiting to God to point us out. And God's saying, no, I've spoken. And I'm waiting for you to respond. If you will, I will. If you will, I will. If you won't, I won't.